Are you an avid writer or passionate about public policy? Have you ever wondered how people might end up on the news? An extensive resume doesn't hurt, but op-eds are pretty standard when earning your spot on TV. In this episode, I will sit down with Beverly Hallberg, the director of District Media Group. She'll talk about why an op-ed is your golden ticket to a media hit and how to capitalize on the news cycle for maximum exposure. My name is Tiffany Roberts from the Leadership Institute, and you're listening to the Lead Your Future podcast. Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings, including campaign management school, on-camera TV trainings, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the seventh episode of the Lead Your Future podcast. I am so happy to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about op-eds. So what is an op-ed? What does that stand for? Op-ed is really just short for opposite the editorial page. It's a written opinion piece that's usually published in a newspaper or a magazine. And since it's an opinion piece, it doesn't necessarily have to match the views of the organization from which it's published. So today you'll see a lot of op-eds actually on a bunch of websites, including news websites, blog websites, ton of places. It's a great start for freelance writers to get noticed, and it basically paves their way to live TV interviews. An op-ed can run anywhere between 300 to 700 words. That's kind of the sweet spot. If you're new to writing op-eds and this is your first time, try to stay in between those parameters, 300 to 700. If you write a piece that's over 700, you run the risk of maybe nobody reading it, not as many people just because it's so long, and you might have too much information in there. So cutting out as much as you can just so you can keep your, you know, your topic and your point in there, the better. So staying between 300 and 700 words, that is usually the sweet spot. When you have to choose your topic, we're going to go into much more depth when I sit down with Beverly, but when it comes to choosing your topic, try to pick something that you're maybe passionate about and very knowledgeable on. This will help your, keep your readers engaged because they'll probably be able to hear the passion straight through the words, straight through the writing. Um, and you might even have some personal experience with the topic that you are writing about. So for example, uh, you can write about the homelessness crisis in Portland because you grew up there and you saw it firsthand. Those are the types of things that will, first of all, give you credibility and also give you a greater chance of landing on TV. Another thing you want to be mindful of is your audience. Think about who might be reading your paper. So back to my example about Portland, um, is it going to be someone who lives in Portland area and they know about the crisis firsthand? Or the person reading your article might be someone on the East Coast and they've never been to Portland, don't know about the crisis at all, and their streets are pretty clean at home. Think about the person that will be reading your article, but just be careful not to be so narrow focused that you limit your audience. You can do this by avoiding certain industry speak that some people might not understand. Just keep your audience in mind so that you give your reader a clear understanding of what you're sharing with them and your purpose for writing it. And lastly, in your op-ed, try to back up your opinions. 
Use outside information, backing up the claims and your opinions with solid and reliable facts that will give you and your op-ed credibility, which will later help you land that TV interview you're looking for. And that concludes the first section of the Leader Future podcast. Don't go too far. After this quick break, I will sit down with Beverly Hallberg to talk about her advice for writing op-eds and how to land that interview on TV. My name is Tiffany Roberts from the Leadership Institute, and you're listening to the Lead Your Future podcast. Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real, professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studio's intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studio's intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind-the-scenes access to media professions across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Lead Your Future podcast. I'm very happy to have with me today Beverly Hallberg. She is the president of District Media Group and a senior fellow at Independent Women's Forum. Beverly, thank you so much for joining me. Tiffany, thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about op-eds. I know you're very experienced with this, so I'm really happy to um, have you here. First, I just want to start off with what makes a good op-ed. A good op-ed really comes down to making sure you're playing off what is going on in the news, so it needs to be timely, and it needs to have a very clear opinion. Um, in addition to that, just kind of general overview, it needs to be short, it needs to be punchy, and the more that it's in your voice, showing your personality, the more options you're going to have for, for some traction with it. But the reason why I think op-eds are so important is I like to call them the gateway in order to be able to do broadcast interviews, whether radio or TV, that writing op-eds is really the way you can dip your toe in those waters and try to become the TV star that many people want to become. So is there a certain way when somebody is writing that they can catch their audience's attention, something that will get them that TV inter interview? It all really starts with your opening hook. So you, once again, you do have to play off something that's going on in the news. You can't just say, well, this is important to me, so I'm going to write about this issue. Um, it has to be playing off the news. So you have to watch the news very vigil vigilantly and make sure that you understand what's capturing people's attention. And then it really is that opening line, that opening paragraph that you want to hook people in on. So I know before an op-ed, sometimes I'll use a movie quote that everybody knows that's applicable to the issue I'm writing about. Sometimes it's just an opening line directly stating um, some my opinion on what's going on in the news. So there are a variety of ways that you can handle it, but you have to make it very clear within that opening paragraph what's going on, why is it important. And is it common for people um, to write an op-ed and maybe their first one and to get rejected? Yes. So rejections happen all the time. I encourage people to keep writing, keep keep trying. Um, and one of the things about op-eds is that you can't just do a 
blast pitching out your op-ed to everyone. It has to be one at a time, and you wait till somebody accepts it or rejects it before you move on. And the tricky part about that is since the news does move so quickly, it may take a day or two for an outlet to decide whether they do or don't want to use it. And if they decide not to use it, it may be too late for you to pitch it somewhere if it's a very quickly moving news cycle. And our news cycle these days, especially under President Trump, moves very, very quickly because his ability to tweet and change the news cycle very quickly can make a news story this morning that was relevant, not as relevant this evening or the next day. Um, so it is a process of trying to be speedy, try to get it out there as quickly as possible, if it's something that is going to be playing off of news of the day. Now, there is the other option, and this is what I encourage people to think about if they're new to op-eds. Seen based on their expertise, if there are any evergreen topics that they can write about. So if you are, write about family issues and Father's Day is coming up, you know exactly when Father's Day is. You know that there will be op-eds written. So writing that type of thing in advance, or if it was a normal time and you knew that back to school was going to be coming, back to school discussions and sales in August, you could prepare to write an op-ed in advance for something to hit around that time. So part of this is thinking through an editorial calendar for yourself. So you start with, are those are there those evergreen issues? Like, for example, I write a lot around the presidential debate. So there's some stuff that I can start writing and putting together in advance, knowing that I then need to update it as the debates happen. Or if I'm going to do a pre-debate op-ed, I kind of know what I want to say, and then I'm going to update that as the election cycle changes as we approach the debates. If the debates happen, we're not quite sure if Joe Biden's agreeing to debate. <laughs> um, so you can work almost on those evergreen areas, which can be really, really helpful to an individual who is brand new to this. Also, if, if somebody is interested in, in a specific research or policy area, let's say somebody's listening to this and they do policy, they do research on a specific issue area, if you're having a big report come out, you can write an op-ed around that report. Let your local papers know ahead of time that you're going to be, this research is coming out, you're going to be writing an op-ed, and hopefully that gives them time to think through whether or not they want to place it. So some of this is, is a lot of it is the planning ahead of time, but the op-eds that we read most in our favorite publications tend to be uh, writers who do this frequently, who are constantly working off the news cycle, and, and many of them just write for a living. Now, that's great advice because I, I, I've looked into doing an op-ed, but I think one of the things that kind of pushed me away the most is the idea of having to stay relevant. But using that idea of having an evergreen uh, evergreen op-ed, then that way you're not always, you know, catch, trying to keep up with the news cycle. But in a way, it's you do, but it's something that will always be out there and be evergreen. Everybody can read anytime they want to. Yeah, and one of the tips that I give to clients is go ahead and for the body of your op-ed, just write write what you think. What is your research on this area? What are the points that you want to make? And then you sometimes just wait for the news cycle to come around you again. You wait for Congresswoman AOC to say something that you can play off of related to your issue area. So sometimes what you're doing is the body is already written and you're just updating the opening paragraph or two to relate to the latest news on it. So there is some prep work that you can do ahead of time. But one of the things I encourage individuals to think through is what is your expertise? 
What angle are you taking? Um, a lot of people are writers. There's a lot of content. There's so much content out there. But what makes you the expert in what's going on in the news? Because it really is about building the brand. You want to be the person that editors are looking for because of what you do for a living and the expertise that you have. Now, I have seen some op-eds where people co-write with another author and they might be a little bit more visible than you are. Um, would you recommend somebody reaching out and trying to uh, co-write an op-ed with someone? I'm not a, I mean, usually sometimes the, the co-op-eds happen to be more from people who are regular writers and they're joining forces because it's a larger investigative style piece on occasion. I'm not a huge fan of that for people starting out. That's not to say that you couldn't co-write an op-ed. Let's say you are working in a research area and there's somebody who you're working with who's really established and well-known and you can co-write with them. I see co-writing more as though longer form investigative pieces. I also see that more in research papers where people will co-write, not on an op-ed, which is shorter. So my recommendation to somebody starting out is to actually just get into the rhythm of writing. So when people say, well, I, well, what people often say is I want to get on TV. How do I get on TV? And I'll say, do you write? Because so much about what is determined in broadcast is based on what's in print. And unless you already have a space where you've shared an opinion, it's less likely that producers are going to take you on radio and TV. So I like to help people build out their writing presence to start with. And for many people, they think they can start on a national scale, but often it's a smaller scale. So meet Meet your editor at your local newspaper, grab coffee with them, email them, talk about uh, an issue that you care about, that you have some content on, that you would like to write about. They may be willing to take you up on it. And so once, if you can start getting some traction, even from the local newspapers, then you're going to have an easier time getting published in something that's larger, that's more national. So it's also keeping in your mind that to build up, it does take some time. And for many people, if they can't hire or if you're not attached to a larger organization that has a comms department that's going to be pitching you out or you're not affiliated with a PR firm that already has the connections that can pitch you out, it's about building those relationships in your local communities and trying to get op-eds published in the local paper. Yeah, that was going to be my my next question is how do you build those relationships? I mean, you you mentioned you could uh, reach out to your local news station. I imagine emailing people. Let's say I wrote my first op-ed. What would you think? What would you say the first steps are to getting it published? Yeah, I would find out who you would need to email at the newspaper, who who is the one who makes the determination to publish these, um, send it to them. And there is a certain formula that you do send. So as far as the email itself, the email does matter. Um, that It should say in the subject line, op-ed, colon, and then the headline of your op-ed. And then below that should be your bio, a little bit, a brief bio, maybe a photo, and then the copy of the op-ed, copy and pasted in the actual body of the email with a Word document attached to the email. So what you want to do with this is you're trying to make it very easy for them for them to see up front, okay, first of all, on the subject, 
I know that this is an op-ed. Here's the title. You want a punchy title, something that can ca capture attention. And then immediately they see who you are, and then they can quickly scroll through the first few paragraphs to see if it's something that they're interested in. Um, you can always follow up with them in a day if you don't hear from them. And then if they decide not to take it, ask if you can meet them for coffee. Say, love to meet you. I have some ideas I'd like to share with you, see if there's a way for us to work together. And you can build a relationship with them that way. So starting from that level, I think is good. Um, go ahead and write it, send it to the person you need to send to and try to build that relationship from there. Yeah, that's great advice because building relationships are, they're so important, especially in the political realm. So let's say I get published. Um, what if I get uh, an email and I have a request for my very first TV interview? What do I do? How do I, how do I prepare for that? Yeah, that is likely to happen. I was saying earlier how print determines broadcast. So you can ask most producers of radio and TV shows, hosts of radio and TV shows, what they are are avid readers. So they read to determine what it is that they want to cover in their segments. And so what an op-ed does is there are two ways you can use an op-ed. One is that the producer or the host of the show will see the op-ed themselves. They have interest in it and they want to bring you on and they cold call you, which is uh, what you were asking in that question. The other is you then have the ability once you've written an op-ed to pitch it to producers. Once again, it's about finding the contact that you need to pitch to, um, but seeing if they'll take you on. For producers to see that you've been published, it automatically establishes some credibility and they automatically know what your point of view is. Two things that are extremely important in order for them to put you on TV. Um, but really the process of interviewing well is, is, I'll do a little pitch for the Leadership Institute here, but I recommend that people get training. It's a very uncomfortable, awkward situation to be staring into a camera, listening to questions through through your headphones and not being able to see the person you're speaking to and having to answer in 30-second answers if you're on a live TV interview. So getting used to that dialogue of an interview setting is important, making sure you know how to use your hands, facial expressions, body language. So the Leadership Institute does have training that Either I can conduct or someone on my team will conduct, and we can take you through that training. Um, so that's just something you want to do in advance. If you have interest in, in writing, hoping that it does lead to broadcast interviews, you want to start the training before you get the call. Because if you get the call from the producers who want you on the show, they want you on that show that day or the next morning. It's a very quick turnaround, and it's very hard to be able to master the skills even if you get last minute training. So the biggest thing I could say to people is as you are practicing and, and your writing and trying to improve in your writing, try to improve in your delivery in an interview setting as well, both for radio and for TV. And that's going to come down to preparation and practice ahead of time. That is such great advice, Beverly. I, I can't thank you enough for being on this episode. I've learned so much from you just from just from this interview and also even watching you do a lot of the trainings that we do have at LI, the on-camera TV training. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed listening to everything you had to say. Well, thank you so much for having, you, having me. I appreciate it, Tiffany. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Lead Your Future podcast. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy creating these episodes. If you like this episode, please leave a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts and feel free to share it with your friends, family, anyone who you think would be interested and really benefit from this career advice that will help them in the long run. If you're interested in taking a Leadership Institute training, feel free to check out our website at leadershipinstitute.org backslash training. 
The Lead Your Future podcast is produced and edited by Tiffany Roberts with support from Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell. If you want to learn more about the Leadership Institute and see behind the scenes photos, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to Leadership Institute on YouTube.